0: Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of
1: the book Alice in Corporate Land A Curiouser and Curiouser Business. And the author is Joan Wendlin. And Joan joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Joan.
2: Good morning. Good morning from South Haven, Michigan.
1: Well, this is going to be a journey with Alice. This is going to be a lot of fun. I want to read a couple of things that you've written to set the stage for everyone because this is very different, unique, and instructional. I've spent 25 years, you say, as Alice in corporate land and have experienced three off-with-her-head corporate layoffs, one on April Fool's Day. Any person who has lost their job thinks they might and those who left working 24-7 to make up the difference of the departed will relate to this story. And, of course, this is humorous, light hearted relief from the rage, frustration of the corporate rat race. What gave you this idea, Joan? How did you become Alice in Corporate Land?
2: <laughs> working there for 25 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. A lot of it uh, just didn't make much sense, right?
2: Right. Well, I think the first thing was the... Um, the first company, the first full-time company, I worked a lot of temporary jobs, with. the first full-time company I worked for, they were having an employee appreciation day, and they were going to erect a big top tent, have games, and top-level executives were going to entertain us with rock and roll numbers, and we could buy our own food under the big top. And I thought, I said to a, a coworker, I said, you know, this just gets curiouser and curiouser. If they really appreciate us, they give us a day off. And so when I said uh, curiouser and curiouser, I said, you know, that's from Alice in Wonderland. And so I started looking into, you know, uh, rereading Alice in Wonderland and finding that things from Victorian times hadn't changed a lot since contemporary corporate times so that's what kind of led to the idea and then over the 25 years over 20 years um from that first incident then i just kept collecting these things as i continued working
1: well it's time for a disclaimer i need a roll of the drums though i probably won't get it but anyway here's the disclaimer To anyone ever right sized, downsized, or re engineered out of a job, and to those left clutching their computer chips, with apologies to Lewis Carroll and to the animals for assigning them human behaviors. And note, no animals were harmed during the writing of this story. All agreed to be trained for this tale. I love it. Very good.
2: Oh, I had great fun doing
1: it. Well, yes. My goodness, that's and 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 that's what we need today. We need to be able to laugh in spite of all the stress, in spite of all the unfortunate downsizing, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it just it, it, nobody is 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 exempt from it. I mean, I, I think everybody's experienced it in some way, uh, and me more than once. And um, I just decided to take this really, everybody feels, it's a heavy topic, it's a heavy situation, and and use some humor around it, yet keep an edge to it to make the point.
1: Well, 40-something Alice starts out, she goes on her first interview in 20 years and falls into a paper pit, smack into the paws of the white rabbit, of course, who has doubled PhDs in mismanagement and sexual misconduct whoop, I thought it was G-rated. <laughs> I <laughs>
2: it's
3: guess very it's
1: tastefully. not. No, it's okay. very tastefully done. Oh, okay. All <laughs> but right. it makes the point. <laughs> it makes the point. Okay, now, um, there probably isn't anything out there like this, is there? There's no other book like this out there.
2: Uh, no, I did some research, and I, I didn't find anything at all. And uh, particularly, this is written from... A woman's point of view, and I'm—I have not been in management. I've always been in support roles, looking up through the layers, uh, so to speak. But I've had men read this. I had a scientist from a cement company, no less. um, uh, He was a chemist, and he said, "Oh my God!" He said, "I have worked with every single one of these people, and I know that CEO."
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know that CEO. (laughs) Okay. Well, you got to tell us about. Some of the characters, we're familiar with Alice in Wonderland, and of course the very first uh, character that comes to my mind is uh, the Mad Hatter. Is there a Mad Hatter in your book?
2: Oh yes, there's Madsen Hatter.
1: I, <laughs> Madsen I, Hatter.
2: Yes, and uh, he, uh, ha- he has this uh, very frenzied, frenzied look about him. Like, his, his eyes are going to go twirling in the sockets any, any moment now. And uh, Alice happens to meet him, You know, she's walking down the hallway and happens to see him in, in this in this um, conference room.
1: Yeah, it has to be a conference room. It has to be a big table.
2: Uh, yes, but there's only two people there. Oh. Ian and and um, uh, the dormouse, adorable mouse.
1: Adorable mouse. <laughs> who
2: could only mirror whatever he says. And um, uh, she seems to be quite... Um, uh, is, oblivious is, to the fact is that his that he,
1: secretary or somebody you know, like that—it's
2: a, that? a coworker—but co-worker. he's a mouse and he's a ferret, and ferrets hunt. Oh. <laughs> hunt, hunt, hunt mice. So, so at any rate, he he looks quite mad and very frenzied, and and they they've been hired to uh, stay in place uh, because of the least the recent downsizing that 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 happened. All of their staff have been let go, so they've decided to, to hire Alice um, uh, for emotional flogging, so, so that they have someone to give emotional floggings to.
1: One of the uh, more serious points that you're trying to make is there that there is life after corporate. Yes,
2: and I've experienced well, I've experienced, like I said, three corporate layoffs, and each time I've you know I've always had to go back to the corporate world find another job but it actually i've gotten better jobs better pay um uh, the first time uh, or the second time i was laid off uh, on the april fool's day one um i got six months of severance um and i decided to take a little trip before i had to go back on the job hunt and on this trip i had a story idea and I came back home and decided, you know, before I do the job hunt, I'm going to write this book. And so I did. And that particular book, Let's Fall in Love Till Wednesday, got a movie option, even though it never made a bestseller list and I had to go back to the corporate world. So then this third book, um, uh, or the second book, after my third layoff, I, I wrote, and it got an Editor's Choice Award. So I decided that... Um, you know, I do, I do have another life. I have a creative life beyond corporate, and it's far more satisfying than anything I've ever done in the corporate world.
1: So you encourage people to seek that out in their lives?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, in Creativity in whatever way that, um, that happens to, you know, resonate with them. Because I think within people there's, there's that desire to do something that is unique to themselves, and have a unique expression. And, of course, the corporate world and really much of life, there is no encouragement to be unique. There's a lot of lip service to it, but there, there, really, there really isn't much encouragement. And uh, I see the world of creativity. If, if more people were encouraged to do that, we'd have a lot happier world.
1: So who is the queen? Off with your head, who's the queen?
2: Well, actually, it's the Duchess of Down Steepy Sizing. She's been appointed by... You know, his highness, ah. uh, the the egomaniac uh, CEO, to be the, the corporate head chopper. And so she goes around, uh, rushing around, yelling, off with your heads, off with your heads. And uh, Alice meets her in the very end, and, and uh, she forces Alice to participate in the down-steepy-sizing games, and, which are just, it's an absurd running of all departments, an ethnic cleansing of departments, if you will, and Alice concludes that, you know, intelligence creates a lot of confusion and trying to be logical and reasonable about this can get you lost in the system for days.
1: And I love that the rabbit is dressed in a pinstripe suit. Oh, yes. And he has, of course, a watch.
2: With no hands. Oh, really? it has no hands. And, she, and he tells her when she meets him, she falls down this paper pit, and he says, you're late, you're late. And she looks at the watch, he's dangling in front of her face. She said, she said how can you say I'm late? Your watch has no hands. It's just a bunch of, of numbers falling down at, at the bottom. And he said, you know, he said, you're out of time. You're out of, you, you know, you, you've missed the boat. Um, in other words, you know, she, she hasn't worked in 20 years and this is her first job interview. View, um, so you're late, and so she said, "Well, I know that."
1: <laughs> Another theme, again, back to a more serious note. You say, "Don't get mad; get a new life."
2: Yeah, that's what I've done every time I've. Um, I feel like I've recreated myself any number of times, and that I've, even though I've had to go back to the corporate world to support myself. Um, in each of, each of those times, it's like recreating myself, doing something a little bit different. And uh, this time, I have the opportunity to, because I'm, well, I say I'm not retired, I am creative. And so now I have the opportunity to be creative. And so I'm, I'm creating a new life with my creativity and helping others do that, too. It, it's like, for example, I uh, have um, two writing groups that I lead and um, I remember one woman coming in, and she said, you know, I just, I write every day, but I don't, I don't want to publish or anything, and I don't want to, you know, do too much about it. She's very, very quiet. And um, so anyway, three years later, she published. And four years later, she has now been given an award by a literary, uh, a newspaper. And uh, so she's receiving an award next week, as a matter of fact. She said, well, you know, I may write a book. <laughs> so the world of creativity, you know, changes things.
1: So when you look at you know, the old uh, fable, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, uh, which comes first, the character story or the idea for the novel?
2: Um, the idea for the novel came first um, because, like I said, the, the curiouser and curiouser phrase you know, led me to go back to um, the original Alice in Corporate Land. And then I started saying, oh, what characters could I use and what personalities could I give them of um, personalities that I've met in my travels?
1: Who's the Cheshire Cat?
2: The Cheshire Cat is H.R. Cat. He is in charge of human resources. <laughs> and Alice, uh, she meets him later in her experience in corporate land. And she's quite relieved when she's walking down the hall and she sees a um, sign on the, um, in the hallway outside his door saying human resources and she said at last after dealing with all these animals she said some place that deals with human matters and presumably the resources to deal with it and so she knocks very timidly on the door and then this very gravelly voice said come in, come in, come in And, and it's this cat with very sharp teeth and sharp claws but with this grin that goes from ear to ear and but doesn't look very sincere at all. And uh, he, he talks in riddles and, and is not, not kind or understanding at all. And so finally she said, well, I thought you were supposed to help me. And, and he said, well, if, he said, if you'd be so kind to leave, I have another appointment. And she said, well, just answer one thing before I leave. He said, okay, what is that? She said, I just would like to get out of here. Just tell me how I get out of here. And he said, "Very well. Where, how, where do you want to go?" She said, "Doesn't matter. I just want to get out of here." He said, "There you go. Just keep walking. You're sure to get there."
1: <laughs> Another serious theme: change may be difficult, but good things can also happen as a result of it.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, uh, look. The second time I was laid off, I got. Uh, I, I wrote a book. In fact. I wasn't even intending to um, write a book. I just had a story idea. And then it just kind of one thing led to another. And I said, you know, I am just going to write a book so I have something in my hand before I die. Because prior to that, my last rejection slip, it took them a year to send me the, the rejection letter. And I said, you know, how many more years do I have left? I'm just going to do this because I want a book in my hand. And so that's why I did it. And so then as a result, I got all kinds of publicity from the Chicago Tribune. I got the movie option. And so had I not, you know, here I got laid off. That was a big change. But I took advantage of it and used it in a different way. And look what happened. And the same way with um, this, the third layoff. I wrote Alice in Corporate Land, deciding that, okay, let's wrap up this whole corporate life And, uh, you know, what can I, creatively, what can I do with this? Well, I'd already been collecting all these anecdotes in the last 25 years, so I decided that would be a logical place to start. So, you know, look what happened because of that change.
1: Well, we have less than a minute. Tell us about the grand trainer, the dodo bird.
2: Oh, my. He's an extinct dodo bird. Um, And he teaches everybody in riddles. And he teaches management on high-speed treadmills. And Alice <laughs> said, you know, how do they, you know, how can they ever get any place? They're just running in place as fast as they fast as they can. And he says, to get any other place at all, you have to run twice as hard as that.
1: The title of the book is Alice in Corporate Land, A Curiouser and Curiouser Business. And the author is Joan Wendland. Joan, tell us how to get your
2: book. Yes. Uh, Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, any of your you know, retail online websites out there or requested at your local bookstore, um, it's, uh, it's available. Or, and also as an e-book, Nook and Kindle, Sony Reader, so lots of places.
1: And before we leave, I have to quote Yogi Berra in your book, quote, if you don't know where you are going, you might wind up someplace else. <laughs> Very good, Joan. Thank you so much for being with us on iUniverse Radio.
2: Oh, thank you. This has been a delight.
1: Joan Wendlin, author of her book, Allison Corporate Land, A Curiouser and Curiouser Business.
0: You're listening to iUniverse
3: Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Get ready for the not so soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon central on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The not so soccer mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus, notsosoccermom.com was born. Problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of changing the world one invention at a time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on TogiNet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions helping you identify the real problems and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence and, more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to thinktech, that's T-E-K, Then join us as Rick and his guest teaches how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time with author and inventor Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 central on TogiNet.com. Welcome back
0: to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, The Dark X, a medical mystery
1: in African adventure. And the author is Dr. Gerald Lowenstein. And Jerry joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Jerry. Hello, good morning. It's good morning here, anyway. (laughs) Well, good to have you with us, and you're going to take us on a journey into Africa and the roots of human existence as you see it. Uh, I want to just kind of comment on a few things, uh, read a few things that you have written to kind of set the stage. First of all, I just want everyone to know that you're a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a science writer, and a pioneer of Jurassic Park-type research and evolution. So right then and there, we could go down a lot of roads, couldn't we? (laughs) But we're going to stay focused on your book, The Dark X, and... It has a, it's a novel, but based on a lot of experiences, you and your wife, who's an anthropologist, character, Suzanne Albrecht, Albrecht. studies pygmy chimpanzees called bonobos, bonobos in Africa, and she suffers from a fever of an unknown origin, and that's what you get the uh, title of the book, The Dark X, because that forms on her, it's on a scan of her chest. And then, of course, the whole thing is to cure her and all the uh, adventures that go on in Africa and the tie to uh, this research of the chimpanzee to modern man. So... How did you get, with all that you have accomplished and all that you have focused on, all, why all this interest in anthropology?
4: As uh, one friend said, I got into it through the bedroom door because my wife, Adrienne Zillman, is a well-known anthropologist and author of a popular anthropology textbook called the Human Evolution Coloring Book. And uh, when I first met her, even before we got married, uh, uh, we started talking we met at a party in Santa Cruz and started talking about evolution. That was something we had in common aside from being very much attracted to each other and uh, we ended up going to Africa for two months together when we didn't when we hardly knew each other and uh, that was my first experience in Africa and I was introduced to all kinds of animals, including monkeys and chimpanzees and so forth. And since then, we've gone back to Africa ten times. I've lost track of the total number, but it's about ten. And um, she's done research with Jane Goodall, of course, the famous primatologist. And we spent time with Jane Goodall. And uh, Jane uh, and I became uh, good enough friends that she actually made me, appointed me to the board of the Jane Goodall Foundation. And we've also studied. Uh, Diane Fossey's gorillas in Rwanda, and uh, we've just been all over the place. And Adrian also studies fossils, so the whole subject of human evolution and what is their closest living relative uh, got me fascinated with the subject. And, of course, at the same time, I was doing research on, as you said, Jurassic Park-type research, fossil molecules and trying to figure out from this how um, we are related or how various fossil species are related to living species and uh, so all all that background has gone into the book So, why this kind of an approach? Why
1: write this novel? I guess you, of course, in in a novel, you have a lot of license to bring forth a a lot of your philosophy, a lot of your research, and and do it through this mystery.
4: Well, you know, uh, I figure this is actually my fourth career. My first career was physics, and my second was medicine. And then I became a science writer. I've always actually done science writing. I started off in high school doing it and continued at MIT and Columbia uh, writing articles for the school newspapers. So I had those three careers behind me, but I've always been a lover of novels. I've read novels since I was a kid, and I always dreamed of someday writing a novel. So <clears throat> I still had this one-fourth career. Uh, to, uh, to do, and uh, I just decided to do it a few years ago. I decided to sit down and write a book and try to include in it a lot of my scientific experience, and the result is The Dark X. And this
1: book opens up in the prologue, Uh, it seems to be someone, uh, a member of the pygmy tribe is about to die and they're trying to use
4: some kind of healing ceremony? That's right, Uh, it's a a pygmy healer. Among the Africans, the pygmies have a reputation for being uh, great healers, partly it's because they live in the jungle and they know a lot of the plants, and they know the healing abilities of many of the plants and animals, and uh, so they have that reputation, and this prologue is kind of an introduction to what is going to follow later on. And In fact, the doctor, the pygmy doctor, uh, doesn't appear again until about halfway through the book because he's conducting a healing ceremony at that point on one of his own tribal members, and the uh, healing ceremony is not successful, but then about halfway through the book, he he does the same kind of healing ceremony on Suzanne, the heroine of the book. So, when we're dealing with this dark X disease, that's right. Uh, she comes down. She, she studies the chimpanzees in the Central African Republic, and uh, the bonobos, and uh, she comes down with this fever. And uh, it comes on and off, you know, it hasn't disabled her too much, but it's bothersome. So she's referred to the great medical center here in San Francisco, the University of California, uh, San Francisco Medical Center, where Dr. Tony Miller, who's the sharpest diagnostician on on the faculty, is making rounds. And so he examines her and studies her case and uh, suggests this uh, unusual type of scan and because they, they, nothing else shows up in the diagnostic workup. So he has an instinct that this scan may show what's wrong. And sure enough, it shows that she has a dark X-shaped lesion in her chest. You've...
1: Follow uh, a few themes in in the book. Uh, one of them uh, is the challenge of a doctor-patient relationship, especially if they're falling in love.
4: Yes, that's as old as medicine. That's why we talk about the Hippocratic Oath, because Hippocrates is one of the fathers, who was probably the father, considered the father of Western medicine. He was Greek, of course, and lived well several hundred years before the common era. But the temptation between doctor and patient is so great because the doctor, of course, is helping, and often they, uh, he, he's, the doctors mostly were men, of course, in those days, often treating young women, and there's always a temptation of these people being attracted to each other and getting involved in an emotional relationship. Well, usually this has a very bad bad result because it's hard to be both a healer and a lover. And so the oath of Hippocrates, which doctors are supposed to take, one of the uh, clauses in it is that the doctor vows not to seduce, not ever to seduce a patient. And uh, so even if the patient is more than willing, which uh, of course many patients are, the doctor is not supposed to be, get involved in a sexual relationship. And since uh, Tony and Suzanne are uh, at her site in Africa, the only uh, uh, Western people there, and he's trying to save her life and uh, they're very attracted to each other. That's a, a, a cause of tension that runs through the book. Their attraction to each other and his determination not to become involved. And, of course, in the
1: middle of this or in the story, we have uh, also sounds like some political intrigue.
4: Yes, well, of course, that's a big thing in Africa nowadays, political intrigue, but it always has been. And for someone who goes back and forth to Africa, uh, we've gotten caught in these uh, rebellions many times. I remember when we went to Rwanda to study guerrillas, there were bullet holes in the windows at our hotel because there had recently been an uprising. And subsequent to this, there was that horrible Holocaust in Rwanda, of course, where they all killed each other off not long after we had been there the same we've had the same problems in uh in Kenya, so this kind of thing goes on and there used to be uh, somebody called the Emperor Mikasa, Makkasa, who was one of the worst tyrants in the central african Republic so uh uh, I have an underground clique uh, called the Bokhasa clique, and the head of that clique uh, kidnaps uh, our, our uh, hero and heroine. And uh, the adventures, that. so that's one of their first adventures in Africa.
1: And, of course, another mystifying adventure I don't think any of us could relate to would be to have to fight a lion.
4: <laughs> yes, well... Um, I put that in because uh, one of the things that Bocasa did was to feed his enemies to his pet lions. He had oh, pet shit. lions, so uh, I have his uh, successor, Francois Nima, uh, doing the same thing. With uh, since he, he can't get uh, he can't get Suzanne to cooperate with him, he wants her to come to his side. Uh, and support his cause and she refuses so he actually puts Suzanne and Tony into an arena with a with a lion and what happens next is one of the great adventures of course in the book and a young
1: chimpanzee uh, just falls in love with Suzanne if, if that's possible I guess it is
4: well, I, I wouldn't say fall fell in love, fell or in adores life. her, has loved her dearly because uh, his mother was his mother was shot by a hunter when he was quite young, and she adopted him because chimps, who uh, in fact most animals in the wild, if their mothers are killed, they die themselves, and so in a way she saved his life. So he became. Very, uh, he was very bright, and she taught him sign language, and learned to communicate with him. And she was, of course, very interested in that aspect of of uh, chib- chib- chimpanzee life, and the bonobos are a uh, particularly bright uh, species of chimpanzee. So he was extremely attached to her, and uh, he was her favorite, one of her favorites. And so when he saw her with Tony, he became very jealous of Tony because he, in a way, sensed the relationship, which they were trying to deny. And that
1: sign language ability is real. I mean, that's just not in your book, but that's a, a
4: real uh, aspect of what a chimpanzee can learn. Oh, no, right? that's not, that's, that is very real. Uh, in fact, uh, you and I were talking before the program about there was a famous... Uh, uh, man who dealt with chimpanzees in Nevada named Gardner and the first chimpanzee he he taught the first chimpanzee uh sign language his name that chimpanzee was named Washoe and uh I remember a wonderful story about uh uh his teaching of the uh, sign language because he had a I think when Washoe was a baby chimp he was carrying her on his back and uh uh, that they met another a man walking in the other direction with his baby on his back, and the chimpanzee made the sign for baby, and the baby said monkey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That's uh, you know we don't realize the 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 intelligence that of. Uh, a chimpanzee or other animal species could uh, that have they really have. so it's exciting to see that. Now, bonobos have been a popular subject of many articles recently, haven't they?:
4: Yes, they have. Uh, and uh, actually, my wife, Adrian, is the person who who put uh, bonobos on the map, so to speak. She didn't discover them, that was a man named uh, Harold Coolidge uh, who was looking at a collection of bones and he noticed that the bones of this group of chimpanzees was quite different in many ways from the bones of other chimpanzees and he called them pygmy chimps because the skull was smaller, Uh, in fact they're not pygmies; they're just slightly smaller than the common species. But they're a relatively rare species. So um, they've become uh, once. Oh, and Adrian wrote an article for Nature magazine, which is probably the most widely read science magazine in the world. It's a British magazine published in London. And uh, she wrote an article. Uh, she had studied pygmy chimpanzees. Actually, she'd studied the bones as well as the, the living uh, animals in captivity. And uh, she, since she was an expert on human evolution, uh, it seemed to her that the pygmy chimpanzees, the bonobos, actually were more like human beings, uh, had more human characteristics than the other species, which had been a species mostly studied, especially by Jane Goodall. So she wrote this article in which she said that pygmy chimpanzees, the scientific name is paniscus. were uh, were an ideal model for the human ancestor. And uh, as a result of that article, a lot of people went to Africa and began studying pygmy chimpanzees. And so, as you say, they've become a very popular species of study. The title of the book, The Dark
1: X, A Medical Mystery and African Adventure. And the author is Dr. Gerald Lowenstein, Jerry, tell us how to get your book.
4: Well, it's uh, available on Amazon and from the publisher uh, uh, I Universe. iUniverse. I U N I V E R S E is the publisher. But so probably the easiest is just to go to Amazon and ask for the Dark X. Be sure to use my name because there are other titles that are similar. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much. It's great talking to you again.
5: Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dicks.
3: Girlfriended is on Dougie at. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central.
0: You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever,
2: they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody
3: that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, Girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, on Toginet.com.
0: Welcome back. To iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen.
1: The title of the book: DJ McDonald, A Tale of a Malipayan Warrior, and the author is Corey Laraya Coots. Hello, Corey.
5: Hello, Steve.
1: Welcome to iUniverse Radio. Before we get into a detailed discussion, I just want to read. A couple of things that you have written about this fantasy that that you have created, and it goes back into your family history, and we'll discuss why. DJ McDonald is a normal high school student in Ontario, Canada. Like many 14-year-old Canadian boys, DJ's life revolves around hockey, but he is not as normal as he appears. Tormented by vivid visions of strange creatures and haunted by aberrations from another world, DJ leaves for a family reunion in the Philippines. And when he returns to his roots, he and his cousin Hans discover a seashell shaped like a crown near the dock. Just as Hans holds the shell over DJ's head in a mock crowning ceremony, a bright light from the moon zaps the two boys. Well, it sounds like a fantasy, and it sounds like an adventure. It is. <laughs> now, why create this kind of fantasy? Uh, I know it's tied to your family history. Tell us why.
5: Yeah, the reason of writing, writing a fantasy book is to, yes, to understand my own heritage. It's also an instrument for me to uh, reach my, um, my distant relatives in creating this book.
1: Now you mentioned that your great great grandfather was a shaman. Now, what does that mean? What's a shaman?
5: A shaman is—it's a—you know—we called it here shaman, and it's like a um, a medicine doctor uh, way back. And we're talking about in the late eighteen hundreds, uh, or in the—he was born in—you know—he was born in, you know, in eighteen fifty-six. So you know, way back. We don't have enough doctors, probably, and so that's how they treat people.
1: He just didn't fit in, did he? He didn't fit into society.
5: Yes. Um, The reason was he uh, acquired five wives. He had 35 sons and a daughter, and only one of the family uh, was uh, legitimate, and that's why the family is the rest of the family we're outcasts
1: so in your book we have this fantasy that deals with the main character dj mcdonald now is he in some way tied to your family's history
5: yeah Uh, it is you know um i'm just trying to um use him as uh, it's not me but it could be anybody this boy has a Again, shamanism um, has uh, a calling. That's what they were uh, saying. Um, time will come, and you will have this initiation crisis, which sometimes you can see vivid visions, and uh, you know you can see it in your dreams or even your daydreaming. And this is what DeJay was experiencing. Um, he sees some strange places and uh, Strains, uh um, you know places and faces so um this is what he there was this um a creature calling for help
1: creature under, from the deep
5: yeah under the under the deep
1: and he has uh i guess a friend a close friend uh, one of the main characters hans that is with him
5: yeah he has cousin is his, Hans is uh, his cousin. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, it is two of them. To, well, the the family went back to Philippines uh, for a family reunion. So um, in ha- in uh, DJ's family, there were twelve, fa- you know, siblings. You know, in her mother's side, and every four years they go home for um, a family reunion. And this is where it came upon, you know, when uh, um, at, at the eve of of uh, Deja's fifteenth birthday, um, because you know they were out there in the island, and uh, it was a full moon, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, um, they were just um, um, playing goofing around, and uh, they fell on the uh, on the dock, and. Uh, um, and D.J. found a, uh, a seashell sh- uh, shaped like a crown. And then his uh, cousin hand took it away from him. And in a mocking uh, gesture, tried to put it on his head. And that's when uh, the light from the moon zapped them away and they disappeared.
1: So they were transported to the bottom of the sea in an air bubble.
5: That's right.
1: And a whole and then, new world that they met. A whole new world of danger and intrigue.
5: Mhm. And, and that's uh, where they, uh, both of them, and in that, in that part, DJ believes now that he is not um, as crazy as other. You know, he thinks of himself because at the beginning he was questioning why he sees these things. And nobody can see except him. And but on that moment, uh, when uh, Hans it, was with him, is with him. Um, he had his triumph in, her, in his heart that yes, now I have a witness that I am not the only one who sees this thing. It's like that.
1: And there's a family secret that he discovers.
5: Yes, after the return from the. From the ocean, and uh, that's when they, uh, the family revealed, you know, that um, his both his grandma and his grandpa, which is called Lola, and uh, Lola and Grandpa, um, Lola is uh, and Lolo uh, is the term of a Filipino word of grandma and grandpa, and um, when they came back, uh, they uh, that's when the secret was revealed to the rest of the family that they came from a shaman and, uh, and, uh, and a clan of Malipayan, Malipayan warrior.
1: Well, in this uh, Malipayan warrior, there's a mission and there's some rescue that has to happen.
5: Yes. And they have, um, well, Grandpa has to teach uh, DJ. Um, and has to explain why these things happening to him, and um, he uh, have mentioned that uh, they have a mission to fulfill, and somehow uh, DJ was chosen to lead the, the to lead the clan, and uh, they um, uh, you, know, you know with a short period of time they tried to um, manage to. Uh, uh they try to manage to do what they can, and he teaches him, Grandpa teaches him what to do. and um they uh, they will, the mission is to rescue a dying prisoner under the ocean. And he, this prisoner is um has the the head of an eagle. And a bull, the body of a bull. So I call them the bull eagle creature.
1: And the story really is about faith, honor, and magic that Correct. will overcome evil that lurks beneath the sea. Quite a story. It sounds like a movie. <laughs> yeah. And and you've got uh, some themes running through the book, and of course, I think. Uh, uh right at the beginning, you quote Walt Disney, uh, kind of sums up, I guess, uh, one of the themes, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them.
5: Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I've i been uh, looking around what is, the, you know, I've been thinking what is this kind of, you know, um, um, what, it re- what it reflects it and what it reflects me and what it, ref- you know, and what it will reflect to others, and yeah, it's not limited to dream as long as we um, have the courage to pursue them.
1: And so also, want, and also, a message about change—that change may be sometimes hard to accept, but it change can also be for the better.
5: That's right. And this is what it—you know—again, sometimes we don't know, we don't like what we, or where we come from. But, again, we are the product of it, and we cannot, change, we cannot change the past, but only to embrace it and to be better, you know, and how we can be better to ourselves, our community, and the world.
1: And you've come to understand the importance of family and the story of the family and the need to write the story.
5: Yeah, well thank you. And uh yeah, I think because it for me family is important and um you know, and especially the value and the values are values that you know, nurture us. And somehow doesn't matter where wherever we are, wherever we go, how far we go, we always have to look back and uh, you know, never ever forget where we from.
1: Very important to never forget and to have respect and uphold our freedom.
5: Yes, and because you know, again, it will go back to the uh, um, to my family, me and sisters, that the others don't have the freedom. They don't have the freedom to express themselves. So um, you know, here in the West, we are so lucky and uh, fortunate um, that we can be able to say what we think and express what and express what we think and uh, again in some other countries you know it's so unfortunate that it's not happening
1: you talk about how your book is different and you mention the intriguing magical power of a flying book
5: Yes. The flying book actually started from the beginning of the story. This is uh, so. This is a guide or of uh, DJ. It's just like his talisman, um, and it uh, he found it in a church where you know in a local church where he was baptized, where the family go to, and um, yeah, and it's called the book of knowledge. The ancient book
1: of knowledge. Well, this book is filled with supernatural and tele- telepathic powers. There's tension, suspense, uh, as you've pointed out, a mystical bull eagle creature from another world, monstrous sea ogres in the underworld. Those are, uh, I guess, fighting DJ.
5: That's right. And,
1: and and keeping the and keeping the the bull eagle prisoner.
5: Yeah, and um, at the end, you know, they have helped him out. They uh, they succeeded to the mission, and certainly after that, there will be another book. But, um, yeah, it is the plea of uh, of this uh, of this creature uh, that he also has a mission that he needed uh, the Malipian warrior to help him. Um, restore his world.
1: You also want to empower Filipino women.
5: Yes, and as you as you know, um, there are lots of uh, Filipino women who works as a, uh, a nanny, caregiver, nurses around the world, and uh, some of them, you know, um, they are professional back home. Uh, they left their families to. Um, to be able to find job outside the country. And uh, this is something that I would like them to, you know, um, that hopefully someday, they will be inspired by it, that although um, sometimes they're not, they're not working the, 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 the profession that they intended to be, but they are just, they're working it because of work. But it doesn't mean they don't have talents, and they should, uh, they should uh, you know, they should explore it.
1: Well, it sounds like you have fulfilled the quote from Carl Sagan at the beginning of your book. I quote, Imagination will often carry us to worlds that never were, but without it, we go nowhere. So congratulations, Corey.
5: Thank you so much, Steve.
1: Tell us how to get your book.
5: Um, the book is available at uh, Amazon.com, and also uh, most major bookstores in the U.S. and you know Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. In Canada, it is available Chapters.ca, uh, and uh, we also have here uh, a Reflections uh, bookstore in uh, local in Fergus, Ontario. We're also available worldwide. You can Google or search DJ McDonald with MAC or my name, Corey Laraya Coots. And for those who own uh, an e-reader, you can download this, uh, this book as well.
1: Corey, thanks for being on iUniverse Radio.
5: Thanks for having me, Steve.
1: That was author Corey Laraya Coutz and her book, DJ McDonald, a tale of a Malapayan warrior
0: i universe radio is brought to you by i universe the leading book marketing editorial services and
4: supported
0: self publishing company i universe radio is produced by toginet radio radio with a cutting edge